Well, good morning, everyone. Glad you're here today. That was a little bit weak. Uh, maybe we'll get better as time goes on. Uh, but uh, Friday was a great day in the life of our church. Uh, we uh, had a group that went to escapades, and we had 309 kids and about 200 parents. So uh, about 550 and all. We've got some pictures there. You can clap for that. There was like two claps over there. Now, the great thing was we sold it out. I mean, they wouldn't let anyone else go back in because of fire issues. The bad problem was there were some five- and six-year-old kids that showed up, and we had to say, you're not doing escapades today, kid. Um, So I just told them that it was Derek's fault, and... uh, So any complaints go to him. But uh, we were really uh, blessed uh, to be able to serve our community this way. If you were a family or you had uh, some friends that weren't able to come uh, or they got turned away, tell them that we are going to have more events. We're going to have a big uh, skating party that's going to be coming up and also a big thing of bowling uh, that will all be free. And so if they didn't get to do that, um, they'll be able to do that. A big thank you to our evangelism team and people who just stepped up to volunteer um, because it took a lot of people doing a lot of work uh, to do that. So let's give them a hand. And uh, why don't we pray and we'll jump right in. Well, God, uh, we've heard from a lot of people this week, friends, family, co-workers, bosses. We've uh, heard people this morning as we walked in. But God, uh, what we want to really hear from in these next few minutes is we want to hear from you. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and that you would speak to each heart in this place. God, I pray that you would let them know that they are loved, that... uh, They are cared for, that they are your children. And I also pray, God, that wherever you want to convict them today, that they would be wiser in listening to you. I pray you would do that for your honor and for your glory. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Here is uh, our key proverb for today. It will come up on the side screens. I'd like us to read this out loud together. Uh, in one voice. So let's read it out loud. Where there is no guidance, a nation fails. But in the abundance of counselors, there is much wisdom. Now there are a lot of Proverbs, uh, and that's what we're looking at uh, over these last few weeks, what we've looked at, uh, that speak to this kind of concept. Let me give you one more. Uh, Proverbs 15.22 says this, Plans fail, for the lack of counsel, but with many advisors, they succeed. Now, what we're focusing on uh, today is how do you receive good counsel from wise people to be able to make some good decisions? I shared with you about a month ago, I had an opportunity to invest in a computer software company. A buddy came up. It was kind of a startup. He asked me to do that. And uh, how many of you were here? How many of you remember that? 
story a little bit, okay? And uh, you can remember that I shared with you that the offer came. I was excited. But I know absolutely nothing about computers. I am a computer illiterate. In fact, uh, they just came out with a new book, PC for Dummies. And uh, my picture made it uh, because that's me. I know how to turn a computer on, but I don't know always how to turn it off. And uh, I'm just kind of clueless when it comes to that. So I had uh, this opportunity, but I didn't know much about it. And there was some high risk that was involved in it. And eventually I kind of weighed things out and made the decision that I'd take a pass. But if you remember in that particular teaching where I gave this illustration, we were talking that week on how do we make wise decisions? How do we make wise decisions? And I shared in that teaching that if you want to get really good at making wise, critical decisions, there are a few things you have to do. First of all, you have to humble yourself before God. And you humble yourself by saying, God, here's the decision... And I know if I choose my own response, I'll probably get it wrong. I might get it right, but I'll probably get it wrong. So I'm taking my decision and I'm surrendering it to you. I humbly give it to you. And God, I'm asking for your wisdom now to tell me exactly what you want me to do. Now also in this teaching, uh, I actually shared uh, three ways that God kind of provides. And if you remember, we were talking about a crossroad uh, throughout this entire series, that there's a wise way to do things and there's a foolish way to do things. And so we, we take whatever that decision is, we offer it up to God, and then we seek His wisdom. Now the question becomes, well, how does God uh, speak to us? How does He give us wisdom? How does He provide wisdom for us? And you might remember on that particular week, I talked about three ways that God provides us wisdom. The first is through his word, through his word. Now, the word is all of God's words called the Bible. And uh, one of the things that we strongly encourage people is to read the Bible. Why? Because 80% of the critical decisions that you have to make in your life, the answers are here. They're right here. You don't have to go get seven steps on how to become better at whatever. You can just read this book and it will help you with that. And so that's why we strongly encourage people to saturate themselves with God's words because it's the manual for life. Now, what happens then when you start reading it, all of a sudden you'll be reading And you'll come up with something and you'll go, ah, I think that's speaking to the decision that I have to make. And then all of a sudden you can take that knowledge and you can actually do something with it. And this is what I found. The reason I want you to read Scripture daily and regularly is not so you can check it off the list and go, hey, you know what? I'm a big Bible reader. Woo! Got some Bible up in me. Hallelujah. You know, the reason I want you to read God's word is so that the decisions you make become easier. Why? 
Because you get wiser which time? Remember this? The first time. The Bible makes you wiser the first time. How many times have you made multiple decisions and you weren't very, well, I know it's not you, but the first celebration, those people are messed up, you know? I mean, they are just not that wise. But one way we do that is through God's Word. Now, the second way that God provides us wisdom is through whispers, through His whispers. Sometimes you might have an impression from God. You just get something in your spirit. Some people call it their conscience. Some people say something in my head. I don't know. But you get something. You go, and and you hear this, this prompting in your spirit. You need to do this. Or I want you to do that. Or whatever you do, don't do this. And then we decide, okay, am I going to do it or am I not? But this is what happens when we get a prompting, an impression, a whisper of some kind. Now, the third thing uh, that uh, God kind of provides us wisdom with is through his wise people. God puts people around you because he loves you that are wise. And sometimes God speaks to you through another person. Maybe you can't hear from God. You're struggling. You're depressed. You're overwhelmed. But another person comes up and they speak to you, and all of a sudden there comes some clarity. And you're like, have you ever had that experience before? You're like struggling with something, and all of a sudden someone comes in who's wise, and they're godly. They say something to you, and you're like, whoa, like that's exactly what I needed. Now, what I want to look at for the rest of our time is this third area. How do we discern and decipher when wise people... Give us thoughts. And I'm going to really, really push you and challenge you on this because, like I said earlier, you're the smarter of the two celebrations, okay? So, you you know, I mean, it is what it is. So let's go ahead. Let's look back at our main text again. It'll come up on the side screen. Proverbs 11:14. Where there is no guidance, a nation falls. But in the abundance of counselors, there is how much wisdom? Much wisdom. Now, it doesn't say in the abundance of counselors, there is total wisdom. It doesn't say that in the abundance of counselors, there is 100% guaranteed wisdom. It doesn't say there is a foolproof, absolute wisdom. It just says that in abundance of counselors, there is much wisdom, which means you still have to discern the advice of your advisors. I mean, we can't make a major decision by voting, right? I've seen this happen before. Think I'm going to leave my wife, man. Really? What do you think? Five guys, I'd say leave her, man. Leave that old woman, leave her. The other three are like, well, I don't think you should. And then what do people do? Well, they're all saying that. I should go with the majority vote. And then they go on. The problem is, folks, is that sometimes the majority gets it, what? Wrong. Right? In fact, if you look throughout history, there are many times in which the majority got it wrong. So you can't choose a decision based upon what everyone votes on. Now, some of you might remember that in the Bible, in the Old Testament... 
there was a particular group of people that God called his chosen people. Out of all the peoples in the world, he chose this group. They were called the Israelites. And they uh, became the present-day nation of Israel. And in the Old Testament, out of all the stuff that was going on, there was one era called the Golden Era. It was like Camelot, uh, you, you know, in Israel. And for 80 years, folks, they were the only super power. They were big. They were bad. And for 80 years they had this. And they amassed mind-boggling wealth. In fact, they had so much wealth that they decided, well, we actually have to do something with this. And the first king was a king by the name of David. And David is considered the greatest king of the Old Testament. And the second one was Solomon, his son, who is considered, you know, one of the wisest people ever. And the book of Proverbs he actually wrote that we've been looking at. And so these two guys for 80 years, they're a superpower. They get all of this wealth and they start building things. They build the temple. They build uh, uh, palaces. They build government big programs. And they amass all of this wealth. But then Solomon dies. And at this point, Rehoboam, which is his son, takes the throne. And he takes the throne. Think about this. 80 years, everything's going great. Oh, man, wonderful, man, good, awesome. And then he takes the throne, and all of a sudden, the people revolt. Think about that. You've waited your whole life to become this, and the people revolt. There's this kind of uprising that takes place. And the issue was around that the people said, you are working us too hard. And what we need is some uh, labor relief, and we need some tax relief. Now, it's very true that David and Solomon, as great as they were, they pushed the people to the edges because they sensed that God was calling them to be this superpower. And so in actuality, what the people needed, they just needed a breather. They just needed a little bit of a breather. So the people come before the king and they ask him, they say, can can you lighten our load a little bit? I mean, we're dying here. We're working so hard. Could you just lighten our load? And so Rehoboam uh, goes ahead and uh, as a brand new king, he makes a very wise decision. He says, I'm going to take three days and I'm going to step away and I'm going to try to find out what the best decision is on your request. Then he actually does what our verse talked about. He seeks wise counsel of some people to make the decision. In fact, he looks at two different groups of people. The first group is a group of advisors uh, from his dad, uh, Solomon. And all of these guys grew up with Solomon. They knew Solomon. They'd been a part of the golden era. And so Rehoboam goes to him and asks, Hey guys, you guys are older and you're wise, so what do you think I ought to do with the people's request? And unanimously, they say, you've got to lighten the load. If you lighten the load now, it'll bring favor for you later. People will trust you more. They'll see that you're a compassionate king. Our advice to you is to lighten their load. Then he goes to another group of people who are 
counselors, wise people, but they're his age. They're some of his friends that he grew up with. And guess what they say? The exact opposite. They're like, Rehoboam, you demand. You need to tell them who is boss. You need to make it harder for them. You need to crack the whip. You need to double the load. Anybody remember what happened? Here's the scripture. King Rehoboam spoke cruel words to the people. He has this speech. He says, because he had rejected the advice of the older leaders that had given him, he followed the advice of the young men and said to the people, my father forced you to work hard, but I will make you work even harder. My father beat you with whips, but I will beat you with whips that have sharp points. (laughs) Isn't that great? Like, think about it. You thought my daddy was tough? He ain't nothing on me. You think a little whip? I'm going to get some sharp points, you know? And so he stands up and he tells them this is what's going to happen. And he says, I'm the boss. He cracks the whip. He doubles the load. And then do you remember what happened next? The people walk away. They all quit. Every government worker is like, we're done. Forget you. We're going to do our own thing. You want some more palaces and government buildings? Build them yourself. We're out of here. And this is what happened. There are 12 tribes of Israel. Ten of them walk away. They secede from the union. He's left with two little tiny tribes. Here's the point, folks. One bad decision, one bad decision cost the kingdom for King Rehoboam. Let me ask you this morning. Have any of you ever made a bad decision and it had consequences? How many of you have ever made a bad decision where it cost you or cost somebody else something else? Raise your hand. Go ahead. Now, those of you who didn't raise your hand, what do we call them? Yeah, you're liars. Like one of the most foolish things you've ever done is you just didn't raise your hand. We're not fooled by you, okay? Folks, my hand was in the air because I have made some really bad decisions in my life. I've made some really bad decisions. And this is the thing that if you're a leader, if a leader makes a bad decision, it doesn't just affect them, it affects other people. And when we celebrated the 10 years here a couple of weeks ago, I was so grateful for God's grace because there were some times that I made really bad decisions and it affected other people. And if you manage anyone, if you are a leader over anyone in the workplace, in your house, whatever, that if you are and you make a bad decision, folks, it doesn't just affect you, it affects everyone around you. So here is Rehoboam 
who makes a bad decision. And everybody pays. Now, the point I want to make is this. Rehoboam actually obeyed the scripture verse that we just talked about, didn't he? It says there is an abundance of wisdom, or there's, there's much wisdom in an abundance of counselors. And so he does that. He brings two groups of counselors together. It says in the abundance of counselors, there's much wisdom, but he still got the decision wrong at the end of the day. Because he was listening to the wrong counsel. Here's the big idea I want you to get this morning. It's this. Receiving counsel from wise people in your life does not absolve you from the responsibility of getting a decision right. Let me say that again. Receiving counsel from wise people to your life does not absolve you, it doesn't excuse you from the responsibility of getting a decision right. You see that with kids all the time, don't you? It was his fault. I listened to you, Mom. I listened to you, Dad. You told me not to do X, Y, or Z, and I didn't do it, but look what they did. The human race, you know, one thing we're, we all have in common? We're blamers. <laughs> we love to blame other people. We don't want to take responsibility, even if we listen to counsel from other folks. Folks, at the end of the day, at the end of your life, you're going to give an account to God. And it's going to be an account of how you lived, what you believed, who you followed. Did you fulfill your potential? How did you do on critical decisions? And as, as helpful as wise counsel from, from friends can be, and I believe it's incredibly important to, to get people around you when you're making a wise, when you're making a, a decision. The truth of the matter is this, that sometimes, folks, people just get it dead wrong. You get bad advice. Something that's totally off base. And you still, at the end of the day, you've got to discern the advice of your advisors. And sometimes you actually, check this out, sometimes you actually have to go against it. You go against it. Did you know that you all are living proof of this right now? I don't know if I ever shared this with you before or not, but... Uh, you know, I've shared with you that I sense God speaking to me one day that uh, he wanted to start a church in Muncie. And uh, he wanted us to, to be a different kind of church, a church that would break the mold. And I remember that I get this sense from God and I'm like, well, to be wise, I need some counsel around me. And I had never started a church before. I didn't know anybody who had ever started a church before. So I went to all of these conferences, and guess what they called them? They called them boot camps. And it was either a weekend or a long week, and you would go to these boot camps, and they would teach you 
how to plant a church, how to start a church. And so I'm there and I'm with all these gurus of starting churches and I tell them, well, I'm going to start one. I feel like God's telling me that I need to start one in Muncie. And they're like, oh. They're like, do you know what the demographics are like? The population of the community is going down. Not good. The economy is going down. Not good. Employment, unemployment's going up. There are uh, industry during, you know, 10 years ago, industry just left this community. And almost every single one of them said, Muncie is not a good place to start that. And I said, well, I'm going to start it downtown. A deteriorating downtown. Ten years ago, folks, it was not what it is today. So actually what they were telling me, like if you look at all the demographic stuff, you look at everything that they said, they were right. And yet, even though they were right, I couldn't get that voice out of my head that on August 16, 2002, said, Chris, I want you to start a church in Muncie, and I never want you to question it again. And I just couldn't wrap my brain around it. So this is what I did. I thought, I need to go to people who are a lot smarter than me. I'll go to my seminary professors. So I go to these people who have PhDs in God, like they know God, you know what I mean? And they have all these degrees and everything, and so I go to each one of them, and, you know, a few of them were supportive. One, he was like really, really supportive, but all the rest of them, when I told them what I was doing, they are like, it's not a good decision. It's not a good decision. So can you imagine the confusion that was going on in my mind? I mean, there's not much to work with anyway. And, you know, now all of a sudden you get this sense that God is saying this, but all these wise people are saying this. One side, God's saying, Chris, start the church. Go for it. Step out on a limb. I'm going to bless it. Trust me. Trust me. And then on the other side, there are these wise, godly people saying, don't do it. Don't do it. And it really messed me up. And I remember praying, going, God, which is it? Am I hearing you right or am I not? And then it hit me one day. One day, I'm not going to stand before the church planning gurus. I'm not going to stand before the seminary professors. I'm going to stand before the God of the universe, and I better be able to tell him exactly what he wanted me to do. And let me say this, folks. If God's asking you to do something right now, like if he's asking you to do something right now, you need to do it. Even if the rest of the world says, no, you're crazy, you're out of... If you hear the voice of God, the prompting of God, you need to do it. But I want you to know, for me personally, it took a long, long time before I really thought, with confidence, this is what God wanted me to do. You know when the first day it hit me? We used to have this uh, divider. 
And there was only a small group of people that was on this side. And I remembered the, the Sunday that like the curtain came up and everyone was sitting out there. And I thought, God, maybe, just maybe, I listened to the right voice. Acts chapter 20. There's this guy named Paul. Uh, The story of Paul is that uh, he was a persecutor of Christians. He, He really wanted to kill Christians. I bet you know some Christians you'd like to kill, don't you? And uh, he's walking down a road. He finds Jesus. He's, he turns everything around. And he starts a church in multiple places. But one of them, he starts in Ephesus. And he starts his church. And it's thriving. It's exploding. It's like mega church. God's working in such a huge way. And his elders come to him. And Paul says, I'm going to leave. And they're like, what? And so they take him out to the wharf, which if you've ever been to Seattle before, there's a a beautiful little wharf that's right there. And I I imagine because I've been there before that they take him out there and they're, you know, like, hey, look at this. How could you leave this? So gorgeous. And then they realize that that wasn't working. So they just started begging him. They're like, please, please don't leave. And finally, you know, they put the heavy God card. You're not doing God's will. You should not leave. This is not good for you. And yet Paul gets up and he walks. He walks away from people that he loved, people that he trusted, because he sensed that God wanted him to go to Jerusalem. So he leaves this port city of Ephesus in present-day Greece, and he's walking towards Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, another group of people come up to him. And they say, don't go to Jerusalem. And they're crying and they're weeping. And they're like, ah. And and God is not leading you there. Don't go there. Go back to the church of Ephesus. Bad things are going to happen to you if you go to Jerusalem. And then to add just a little bit more of a punch, there's this prophet guy named Agabus. And he's standing there. And he looks at Paul and he sees that Paul has his belt around his waist. And he goes up to him and says, Paul, let me see your belt. He like takes his belt off. And all of a sudden, this is what Agabus does. He puts his ankles and his wrists together and he ropes the belt around him like a cattle, you know, in a rodeo. Falls on the ground, starts rolling around and says, Paul, don't do it. Because if you go to Jerusalem, it's going to be just like this. They're going to tie you up. They're going to beat you. You're going to be in prison. You might even be killed. Now, what would the average Christian do if a prophet came to them and told them these words? Like Billy Graham comes to you. He wraps himself up. I mean, he's 94. He ain't even going to get up by the time. You know what I mean? He wraps himself up. He's like saying, hey, don't go. Don't you think you'd be like, gee, 
I better not go. Like, this is the second time. One group of people, church people, told me. Now the second, and he's a prophet, and I probably shouldn't go. I'll just go back to Ephesus and be the pastor. They love me there. Now I want you to read out loud what his response is. Come up on the side screen. Paul says, Why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Paul says, thanks for the counsel, thanks for the wisdom, all the rest of it, the tears, everything else. Agabus, Agabus, by the way, give me my belt back, dude. But I know, I know that God is calling me to go to Jerusalem. Because this is the thing, guys. I'm not bound physically. I'm bound spiritually. The God of the universe has told me to go. And you know what happens? Paul goes to Jerusalem. Huge impact. Lives are changed. The church grows. But you know what? They were right. He was imprisoned. He was beaten. He was almost stoned to death to the end of his life. But he followed the right path. Now at this point, I'm sure some of you are thinking, all right, bunch, which is it? Do we seek wise people before we make decisions or don't we? And my answer is yes. You absolutely seek the counsel of wise people before you ever make critical decisions. You listen to them carefully. But this is what I want you to know. You've got to weigh it before you blindly obey it. Okay? Let's say this out loud together. Weigh it, don't blindly obey it. You weigh it, you ponder it, you pray about it, you journal about it. You never lose sight of the fact, though, that at the end of the day, at the end of your life, you alone will stand before God and you will take responsibility for whatever decisions you make. God's not going to hold your group of advisors accountable for your decisions. God's going to hold who? You. A couple years ago, I had this unsettling feeling that if we didn't do something different as a church, we would just wouldn't keep on growing. And I felt this prompting in my spirit that we needed to go to two celebrations. And I remember talking to some wise council of people. And there was one group of people that were like, no, don't do it. If you do that, we don't have enough volunteers for one celebration, let alone two. It's not going to work. And they showed me numbers and they told me about it. They're like, we should build. That's what we should do. We should actually build. And I just kept saying, no, I think this is it. And then there was another group of people that said, no, 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 no. I think that's what we should do. We can do it, Chris. And so now what do I have? I got wisdom. People that I respect, people that I love, people in this church telling me the same thing. And I think to myself, okay, God, what do you want? And I sensed very strongly that he was saying, no, do the two celebrations. 
Now, folks, I want you to know this about me. I'm a normal guy. I uh, sin almost every single day. But I'm trying each day to try to walk and follow God. In fact, in the morning, when I journal, one of the things I journal almost every single day is this. God, whisper to me today, and I will obey without delay. Whisper today, and I will obey without delay. A couple of weeks ago, our family was on fall break, and we were at uh, Disney. And I wrote that in my journal, and I got up. And you don't, like, God, don't ask me to do something at Disney. It's the happiest place in the world. I don't need to be doing something. And I kid you not, I, I'm walk, we're walking out of uh, Animal Kingdom. And uh, all of a sudden, I get this prompting from God. And my parents and my wife, we've walked out of the gates. And I get this prompting from God, Chris, there is someone that is cleaning your trash that no one sees. But I see them. You don't even see them. But I see them. And I'm walking with my family and I tell my parents, I go, go on up. I got to go do something. And I walk back. And you know, like once you get out of Disney, they don't let you back in. There's like security people and everything. I'm like, hey, I got, I got to do something. And I walk over to this little lady who I'm pretty sure was Haitian, who was bent over taking trash out. And I just sensed God saying, give her $20. And I didn't talk to her. I didn't say anything. I walked up and I took her hand and I put it and I walked out. Folks, this is not about $20. This is about the fact when God whispers something to you, even if it's as small as turning around to do that, you obey it. And I have a feeling that God has been asking some of you a lot larger things than just having to go back to a lady who picks up trash to give her 20 bucks. And whatever that is, I pray that you would obey. Because you get promptings, don't you? You get thoughts of what you should do. You can call it your conscience. You can call it whatever you want to call it. But this is the thing about God's promptings in your life. You don't have to obey them. There's no recourse to it. In fact, most of the time, folks, the things that God asks you to do, no one knows but you. And you don't have to do it. I bet there are three or four times in your life that God has asked you to step out, to step up, to do something, to be sacrificial for someone, to get involved. And you felt this impression from God, and then you just said, no, I'm going to pass on it. I've done it before. God's asked me to do stuff. I just pass on it. I take a pass. Sounds complicated. Sounds sacrificial. I'm not going to do it. Nobody will ever know. You can go your whole life and no one will know. But God will know. And what happens is, I see it all the time, people will come and, and, 
And they're coming to church, they're reading their Bible, but God's giving prompting. And everyone else is like, you're a fired up Christian. You're a fired up Christian. I can tell you are fired up. Folks, you are not fired up. If you get a whisper from God and you choose not to obey, you're not fired up. You can fool me. You can fool the people around you. You can fool everybody else, but you don't fool God because you're not fired up. And you miss out. This is the thing why I want people to listen to whispers. Not because I think God wants to beat us down. It's because he wants to give you the adventure of your life. You don't want to just go through this Christian life. I went to church 317 times in a row. Boring. I went to church. God's Spirit spoke to me. And all of a sudden, I started doing something that had kingdom impact. Today's our baptism class. I can't tell you how many people I know who come into this place. They've started coming regularly. They feel encouraged. They kind of start growing in their relationship with God. And then all of a sudden uh, they think, you know what? I want to get baptized. I feel like that's what God wants me to do. And they go to their spouse their husband or their wife or their boyfriend or their girlfriend or their kids, and they're like, hey, I think I'm going to get baptized. And then they say, you're going to get baptized? Don't get baptized. You're not good enough to get baptized. And then I see people in stores sometimes, and they've chosen that path to listen to someone else, and I see it. And it pains me. It really pains me. I know some people uh, who get great ideas from God. They run it through a couple of friends that they trust. They go, hey, this is what I think. And they're like, don't do that. Don't do that. That's crazy talk. That, you're going to have to sacrifice way too much. And then I think to myself, really? Like, really? The God of the universe just asked you to do something. And you're not going to do it, but you're going to listen to someone else. Really? Hmm. You see, folks, every once in a while, you've got to step up and you have to step out and do whatever God is asking you to do. You seek counsel from other people? Absolutely. But not every counsel is good. And not all counsel is wise. So you weigh it. You don't blindly obey it. Now, here's the last few practical things. I've tried to give you some practical stuff at the end each time. Here it is. How do you weigh the advice of counselors in your life? Well, let's remember Rehoboam for just a moment. If you remember, remember the story? He had this decision he had to make, and he had some wise people on both sides, young and old. But who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to people who are young? Or are you going to listen to people who are older than you? You're cowards too. Nobody gave the response. They're just like, huh? Well, think about me. I, I'm on a staff where almost all of them are 20-somethings. I'm 29, but they're 20s. <laughs> Some of you are here for the first time. You don't know how old I am. (laughs) 
I regularly seek their counsel. They're some of the most creative and brightest, most serving, godly people I know. And I seek their advice all the time because they make me better. But you know what else? I regularly seek the counsel of people who are much older than me. And frankly, I want decades of experience ahead of me. I mean, if I'm going into battle, I want to have the wisdom from the commander who's had several tours of duty, not the little guy you know, out of boot camp going, let's go. You know? And so when it comes to practical steps and weighing advice, I want to discover counsel from both old and young. True story. The other day I'm looking in the mirror because I saw all these pictures from the 10th anniversary of me. And I'm looking in the mirror and I'm like, dude, you've got like more gray hair. That's what you guys have caused, gray hair in my goatee. (laughs) But then I found my favorite proverb. Recently, Proverbs 16:31, gray hair is a crown of glory. It is attained by a righteous life. Isn't that great? Just saying. Second thing we need to weigh is I have to discern the person's risk profile. I have to discern the person's risk profile. Some of my advisors, some of my counselors, some of the people I turn to, They are risk junkies. I mean, they just love to take risks. In fact, I was just sharing with one of them not too long ago. I said, hey, the the Chase building that is downtown is being sold. And, you know, it's kind of in a cool location. I like the building and everything. And they're like, go for it. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, go for it. Like, God is saying go for it. I'm like, well, don't you think we should pray about it? No. Just go for it. Then I have some more reserved people that I turn to for advice, and I was sharing this. They're like, wait, wait. Do you have any money to pay for it? Is there adequate parking? Is the building to where if you grew, you could actually grow more? How is all this going to work out? Frankly, folks, I need the advice both of people who are high risk takers and people who are more reserved. Because when I get both of their inputs, it helps me to weigh it. I don't just want to get advice from fear-based people. Oh, it's not going to work. I'm fearful. It's not going to take place. Don't do it. You'll kill the church. Let's not do anything. I don't want to take advice from that. And the other side, I don't want to take advice from people, you know, Vegas people. Let it roll. I I need both. Last thing. I have to determine their relationship to me. I have to determine their relationship to me. Remember the story of Paul? He has these people who love him. They bring him down to the wharf. They're like, Paul, we love you. We care for you. And they start begging. You know, don't go, Paul. Don't go. It's the wrong decision. Don't do it. Don't do it. Why'd they do that? Because they loved Paul. They didn't want him to leave. They wanted him to be their pastor forever. You know, folks, the people who are closer to me are the people 
that when I listen to their advice, it's more complicated for me to understand their counsel. Because when it's someone who loves me a lot, it's really, really hard for people to be objective, isn't it? When they really, really love you a lot. So when I'm looking for is counsel for people, when I have to make a decision, I, this is what I look for. This is who, what you should look for. Like sometimes I don't do what I do. You should do this. When I'm looking for counsel, I want people who love God and I want people who love me. But I want people who love God more than they love me. I don't think you quite got that. So when I need counsel, I want people who love God. I want people who love me. But I listen to the advice most of people who love God more than they love me. And these are people who will say, I'll go pray about this decision. I'll fast. I'll read scripture. I will do everything I can. And then I'll share with you the most. These aren't people who are like, yeah, by chase. Folks, it's the greatest gift you could have to have someone like that in your life. Maybe you could be that gift to someone. You got a decision? You know what? I'll pray for it. I will specifically pray and fast for this for a couple of days. How many of you are at a crossroad today? That's your shadow. You're looking up. You have a crossroad. Maybe it's health. Maybe it's relationship. Maybe it's something that is for the future that God's asking you. Should you get some wise counsel from other people? Absolutely. Should you obey it blindly? Never. Should you weigh it and discern it? Yeah. But at the end of the day, when all the counsel is in and the decision comes to you, no one else is going to make the decision but you. Folks, at the end of the day, no matter what, obey God. Like, do what God tells you to do. Go His way. Don't go the other way. Go God's way. Because one day you'll stand before Him and He's, and he's going to say, you know what, I gave you some stuff. Did you do it? I gave you some costly stuff. Did you do it? I gave you some hidden stuff. Did you do it? And if you say, yeah, God, I did. You know what he's going to say? Well done. Well done, my daughter. Well done, my son. I asked you to do something and you did it. And believe me, folks, on that day, 
on that particular day. You will be so glad on that day that you were full on for God. There's a woman in our church who uh, seeks to uh, live a life that's kind of full on for God. And uh, her name is Marilyn Casey. She runs our grief share ministry, helps to run it. And for some of you, you're experiencing this Thanksgiving or this Christmas the first time with not a loved one. And I don't know why you wouldn't go to that tomorrow. And for some of you, it's just hard. Like, it's hard every time the holidays come. Don't get stuck in your grief. Let it flow out. Survive the holidays. So just like we've done every week, we're going to close with a benediction. And I'm going to invite you to stand. I'm going to invite our prayer team to come up. If you'd like prayer for anything, these people would love to pray with you today. And uh, Marilyn's going to come and she's going to lead us in our benediction that we've done uh, each time. So would you welcome Marilyn uh, to the stage? As we continue to reflect on being wiser with our words, let's declare this benediction together as a church in one strong voice. Please join me. Here we stand, united by the God of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. We confess that we have depended on our own insights and hope that would be enough. God, in this moment, help us to put that way of thinking to rest. Guide our community as we practice what has been instilled in us today. We ask for your divine wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Um, If you are new here, um, please see the guest connection table. We have a gift for you today. Also, if you're interested in the baptism, um, that will be right after this service um, in the conference room. There will be lunch provided, and there is child care. Um, We should be done by around 1.15. Please have a great week, and know that you're loved in this place.